0: On this episode, we examine the events that occurred December 23rd. Today, we're going to go in for a double dose of history as two events have popped up that are worth mentioning. Both are pretty interesting and not holiday themed, so hopefully you will find something that you like or not, I don't know you. I figured we can just go chronologically, so without further ado, here's the business. So if you will recall from our very first episode, in 1781, William Herschel was observing the night sky when he saw what was initially thought to be a comet. Only, it wasn't a comet. It was actually Uranus. Pause for laughter. He was able to see Uranus by using a new method for discovery, the telescope. And by using this new method, Herschel was able to finally distinguish Uranus as a planet. What he didn't realize at the time, though, no one really had. Uranus had been observed before. So, Herschel was able to determine that Uranus was not a comet or a double star, but in fact a planet on March 13th, 1781. But what about the people who saw Uranus before that? One of those people was British astronomer John Flamsteed flamsteed studied astronomy on his own but was educated at the university of cambridge before being ordained as a clergyman in 1675 two years later he became a member of the royal society a group that promoted scientific research where he continued to study the skies although he was forced to take on pupils for money he became the first director and royal astronomer of the royal greenwich observatory and after his father's death in 1688 He had the funds to construct a mural arc, which, as you know, is a wall-mounted instrument for measuring altitudes of stars as they pass the meridian. The year was 1690, and on this day, December 23rd, John Flamsteed observes Uranus, not realizing it's a planet and designating it 34 Tauri. I couldn't find a lot of information on this particular event, as most was attributed to the official discovery by Herschel, but I imagine it went something along the lines of this. Hey, what's that? Looks like a star. I think it is a star, and not a previously undiscovered planet. I should make a note of it. That way, in 330 years, when someone makes a podcast about this, they will have some information to go on and not just make up a fake dialogue I'm having with myself or someone. I don't know, I might not be alone right now. Anyway, I'll call this Star 34 Tori. And scene. Flamsteed would go on to protect his findings, keeping them from being published, much to the dismay of Isaac Newton and Edmund Haley. But these documents were eventually published thanks to Prince George of Denmark paying for the publication and Haley editing it. Flamsteed would actually go on to burn 300 of these 400 incomplete editions. You can't see me, but I did the air quotes because his own star catalog would later be published, the Historia Seolestis Britannica, in 1725, although this was after his death in 1719. Hey, that was fun! Next up, we have another exciting tale, this time about painter Vincent van Gogh, or Gogh. I'm going to use van Gogh for the purpose of this episode. Van Gogh, who was born in 1853, was largely an unsuccessful artist at the time, who famously only sold one painting while living. In 1886, he moved to Paris to be near his younger brother Theo, who was an art dealer and with whom he was very close. Financially, Van Gogh was in a rough spot, and Theo supported him as well as introducing him to a number of famous artists who he would also befriend, such as Camille Pissarro, Georges Seurat, and Paul Gauguin. It was his friendship with these artists that Van Gogh's style lightened, and we begin to see more color in his work. In 1888, he rented a house in the south of France and founded what he hoped would be an artist colony, slash community. It was actually here that he painted his Sunflower series. Gauguin came to stay with him, and that brings us to December 23rd. The year was 1888, and on this day, December 23rd, Vincent van Gogh cut off his ear, or at least a portion of it. There are many reasons thought to be behind this, and I'll list them here in a moment, but here's generally what is considered to be the base truth for what happened. After a fight with Gauguin, who had decided to leave the house they were staying in, Van Gogh threatened his friend with a knife before turning it on himself and slicing a portion of his ear off. The reasons behind this are thought to be as follows. Van Gogh suffered from severe depression. Van Gogh had a fit of dementia. Van Gogh just got word his brother was to be married and fearing that he would be left alone and penniless, took action. Van Gogh was jealous of his brother's relationship. Van Gogh was jealous of Gauguin. Van Gogh had an argument with Gauguin, whom he may have been in love with, and upon learning that Gauguin wished to leave the house, took a razor blade to his ear. If it was any of these, or all of these, or parts of multiple, Van Gogh was in a failing mental state. Historians just can't agree on which one it was, however. Now with a portion of his ear gone, he washed it, wrapped it in newspaper, and delivered it to a woman named Rachel, or Gabrielle, who was a prostitute, but also may have been a chambermaid instead. Van Gogh was then checked by a doctor and admitted into a mental hospital, but I don't know the order of those events. In any case, it was in the mental institution that he painted some of his most famous works, including The Starry Night. In 1890, Van Gogh went out into a field and shot himself in the chest with a revolver in what is widely believed to have been a suicide attempt. He died two days later from his injuries, July 29, 1890. For all his trouble, Van Gogh is often remembered as one of the most impactful artists of his time. The End that's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer us in a direction that is, hopefully, good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the Was audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.